If you're like most people, then you experience some less than stellar events and emotions in your childhood that affect you to this day. But also, like most, you disdain the thought of rehashing and talking about those events and feelings because it's just plain too painful, right? Perhaps you wish that you could heal your childhood without talking about it. Maybe you know that you're not performing to your full capacity or living your dreams and you realize that something's holding you back. But you have no clue on what or how to address it to move forward in life. If you've been struggling with these issues, then psychotherapist Tara Miller will introduce you to an innovative tool called self-regulation therapy. This can help you get past rehashing the past and moving forward to your authentic self and the life you were meant to live. Hey, it's Dr. Kieran. This episode brought to you by The Shine Shake. It is your energizing, detoxifying, hormone balancing breakfast replacement shake and delicious vanilla latte flavor. And it is vegan. It also has IgG to help your gut health and lots of nutrients. It's what we call a medicinal shake. It's not just protein that you get from the regular store that just gives you macronutrients. This has lots of natural additives that help your body to heal while you're drinking it. And it's delicious and it will power you through your day. It has 81 milligrams of clean caffeine from the Kona coffee bean in Hawaii. Um, so it's a great way to heal and re-energize. And if you go on my website and sign up for my Eat This Not That program, I will tell you exactly what you need to be eating while you're taking the shake to lose weight and help to balance your hormones and begin healing. It's brought to you by The Shine Shake. All right, so Tara Miller is a psychotherapist who can help you heal from trauma and manage stress with the progressive neuroscience-based technology called self-regulation therapy. She's an author of The Resilient Mind and Defiant, Seven Strategies for Dominating Stress and Living a Powerful Life. Welcome, Tara. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful to have you on the program today. I saw you as a guest on somebody else's podcast and said, I need to talk to her. My audience needs to hear what you have to say. A lot of times I talk about childhood trauma and how that affects your health today. And we talk about ACE scores and how your ACE score and the number of adverse childhood events you have really correlates with the number of disease diagnoses that you have, the number of prescription medications that you're on, and really your overall health. So I wanted to hear about self-regulation therapy, but first for anyone listening who's not familiar with the concept uh, that the majority of us have undergone some type of trauma in our childhood that we need to overcome and that is affecting our health, can we start by talking about what is the trauma we're talking about and who's affected and how would someone know if they're affected? Sure. So trauma, we think kind of in our day-to-day -day life that trauma is something that is horrific. It is, you know, we have a scale of events and whether it's a car accident or somebody dying or near-death experiences or abuse, that that's just all that trauma is. And what we know based on how the nervous system responds 
which is going into fight or flight and then recovering, we know that anything that overwhelms you can be considered trauma to the nervous system. So it doesn't have to be something that we've categorized as being horrific. It can be something that at a time, particularly if you're vulnerable, and that's why childhood is one of those times, uh -huh. something that is really overwhelming where you go into a fight or flight response and you may or may not come completely out of it. Um, that whole fight or flight cycle can be caused by multiple events, not just ones that we experience, but ones that we witness, uh, things that happen earlier on, even before we have memory. So all of that can layer up in the nervous system and decrease our resilience. So literally everybody has something in their past or their present that is overwhelming enough to be considered traumatic. What are some examples that you could give that people can really search their memory banks and say, that's me or that's not me? How simple of an overwhelming situation could it be? What kinds of things are you talking about? So anything that causes the nervous system or that kind of homeostasis, that calm balance that we have to kind of go offline. And so what a lot of people don't realize is that our nervous system is starting to wire and those events we can be impacted and have our resiliency decreased from second trimester in utero on. So then if you have things like a traumatic labor and delivery or separation from the mother or mother has some toxin exposures or postpartum depression or there's early divorce, uh, early moves, anything where you feel your nervous system, your system has felt it's too much, it's too soon, it's overwhelming, I can't cope that can be considered as trauma that will layer up over time in the nervous system. And then you can have big events like car accidents, like um, serious illness, medical issues um, and, and abuse and things that we would classify as classic trauma. Those, mm -hmm. will, those will be part of that package also. But one of the biggest myths really is that our response is proportionate to the event. And really what we know about trauma in the nervous system now is it's what's already in the container at the time. So all of those things that they've layered up in your container over time, you have a full cup, you can have a minor fender bender, and all of a sudden you're flooded with symptoms of insomnia, TMJ, anxiety, a whole host of what we would call psychosomatic or just residual traumatic impact. Those can happen from the smallest event based on what's already happened in your life over time. Okay. And so, as I understand it, it can be as simple, some of the things you talked about, but if a child is left in their crib to cry like ferberizing, uh, yeah. who, who listening did that? I got that instruction from my pediatrician mm -hmm. to do to my son, and now I look back and I cringe that, you know, one time I think we, we heard him cry for 45 minutes, my son in his crib. So that could be what I call little T trauma as opposed to big T trauma. Right, and what we know from uh, a researcher, uh, Stephen Porges, created the polyvagal theory, is the whole crying it out thing, it doesn't teach babies to self-soothe, it teaches them to go into despair, and they actually go into so much despair that them going to sleep is really their brain going into shut off valve, and it shuts everything down to conserve energy and resources for the organs, because otherwise it will uh, burn out and potentially be fatal. Oh my gosh. So now that we've defined it, what are some We're of the all symptoms? traumatized. <laughs> We're all traumatized, including my son. Um, 
what what are the symptoms? How would somebody know in today's at today's age what are the symptoms they would be having? So you know that you are in a dysregulated state. If you've lost the ability to um, expand in your life, so everything has to be very controlled and kind of um, structured and scheduled, and if you deviate from that, you start to feel activated or anxious. Um, so if your life has become very small to stay manageable for you to feel comfortable, that's one sign. Another big one is you've lost the ability to differentiate something that's new, novelty, from something that's truly a threat. And so we tend to feel like we're reacting to everything. We're going into fight, flight, or freeze all day long in continuum because everything feels threatening. Everything feels overwhelming. So if you feel like you're in a constant state of overwhelm and you're never really coming out of that into a calm baseline, that's a good indication that you could use some work mm -hmm. to help your nervous system learn how to come into a more of a parasympathetic or relaxed state so that you can reset. You know, that's interesting. A lot of the women I work with are middle-aged women who do everything for everybody. They're in a constant state of overwhelm, overcommitted, can't keep up. And is it true that people who have had trauma and have their nervous system set in a certain way will self-select for lives that look similar, where they are overwhelmed? Well, our, our, our brain likes to conserve resources, and it, so it will look for something familiar, something that is known, even if it isn't good for us. So we will unconsciously repeat patterns of childhood or recapitulate relationships, not just in our romantic life, but in our work life, in our friendships, that feel similar because the brain needs to do less work uh, to deal with something new as it does to deal with something that's familiar. Interesting. And so how did you come to have a special interest in trauma and working with trauma? Well, I did not want to be a therapist at all ever in my whole life. <laughs> I was a dancer. I was a journalist. Um, this helping people, I didn't even think that I had enough empathy to do it. I was very probably self-focused and, and independently driven. And then I had a period of time in life um, where multiple complex traumas occurred um, over a very short period of time. And had I not done this work myself, I don't know what my health would have looked like or my mental emotional stability, but certainly it, it has changed my life and it showed me the, the potential and the capacity of human resilience that we all are capable of achieving. And it was such a dramatic shift for me in such a short period of time to be able to go through all of those events, not needing medication, not needing um, kind of extra extraordinary measures, but really learning, because I got lucky in finding the right person, how to build my resilience to get through traumatic experiences, overwhelming times. And like a muscle, it continued to build into a place where I thought, all of these things happened and I have to find a way to make meaning of this. I have to, they call it the beautification of the wound. And so there's many therapists or, or people in the healing profession that have had an illness or had an experience and wanted to make it matter and wanted to help other people find the similar healing that they did. So that was where I come, came from on it. Okay. And so why, what was special about the type of treatment that you came across? Was it the self-regulation therapy? 
it was the science of it that I really loved. So when I was, when I happened to find this therapist, it was after a car accident and I wasn't physically healing beyond where I should have healed. So all the body workers were saying this should be better, but you're still feeling pain. And that's really common, especially for women in car accidents. This is a pattern. Um, so she, my massage therapist, actually directed me to the co-creator of self-regulation therapy. And what I loved about it was I went in and it wasn't about storytelling. And it wasn't about just thinking differently or behaving differently or trying to self-talk differently. I had already felt like, ah, I'm like I've read the books and I'm smart enough to figure this out and I was really frustrated that I couldn't do it myself. And it was because I was talking to the wrong part of my brain. So the science of self-regulation therapy is about talking to your reptilian brain, your primal brain, whose only job is to keep you alive and is super confused in this time of life, especially when there has been trauma. And the approach of self-regulation therapy is really to complete cycles of fight, flight, and freeze that we might be stuck in, that we might not have completely come and, re and recovered from, while building new pathways in your brain around resilience and not indulging in the storytelling and not having to relive the horrors of your life and not getting re-overwhelmed. It was gentle. It was effective. Every single session felt better one after the other. And it stacked up and built resilience in my nervous system, in my mind, over time in ways that anything else I had looked into just didn't work. Interesting. So I think a lot of people listening probably believe that if you go to therapy for a trauma, you're going to recite what happened and feel the feelings and go through it again, mm. which a lot of people do not want to do, and that's why they don't go to therapy. So yeah. how does this technology bypass, I guess, the conscious brain, because you're not processing it consciously, and go down to that reptilian brain where those fight, flight, freeze mechanisms are? Well, we use the connection of the felt sense. So we know that the language of the nervous system and the language of the reptilian mind, because it's unconscious and it's illogical and it's just trying to scan to keep you alive, but it responds to the felt sense. So we find resources within the body to direct the brain to, to help the system come into a parasympathetic response, into a calm, rest, digest, healthy state. And we will use parts of the story, but we'll use, um, we always keep things within a range. So it's always connecting the mind to the story, and the story comes out differently. We never go start to finish. We never do a reliving. We always keep it in a range where there's a little bit of content from the story, usually starting at the end of it. And then as soon as somebody starts to show activation, then we pause the story and we increase uh, resource, we help come them, bring them back down to a baseline, make them calm, then we'll go back and pick out another piece of the story, there'll be a little bit of activation, we'll do the same process, they'll come back down to calm. So it's really not about the story, it's about, look, this is how we're going to teach your nervous system, first of all, that the trauma is over, like it's actually over, but also that you have the ability to come back down to this baseline just by redirecting your attention to different places in your body, to different mm. thoughts. To different places of imagination and your body will respond and so over time in sessions it's really cool because it look it feels like we're teaching the nervous system how to breathe again but then it keeps expanding and so it's a much more innately um, intuitive intelligent process than just talking about it 
So what does it, what does a session look like? Say someone has had a car accident and they're not healing and showing signs of, I guess, sympathetic, sympathetic overdrive, mm -hmm. overactivation of the fight flight system. What, how do you, what does it look like? So typically we're going to start with looking at their whole life because I believe that trauma therapy should always work in collaboration with other professionals um, like yourself because we also know that some of the first symptoms of toxin exposure will be mental emotional uh, symptoms. So I always like to see what people's lifestyle looks like, what their diet looks mm -hmm. like their movement. I'd like to see them get labs to make sure that we're ruling out anything physiological. Then when they come in, they're expecting to start talking about their trauma, and we don't mm -hmm. do that. We want to take a couple of sessions to help their nervous system create room, which means we're gonna, it's going to be strength building. It's going to feel great because we're going to go through all of the things that make a person strong and all the places in their life where they've shown resilience over time. And as they tell me about these amazing experiences or these different strengths that they've shown in the past, I'm going to stop them and I'm going to say, what do you notice right now? I'm not going to ask them what they think because that's frontal lobes. I'm not going to ask them, how do you feel about that because that's their limbic system. I'm going right for that survival brain, which is what do you notice? And as I ask that question, there will always be a physiological response. So they will notice their posture has changed. They will notice that they feel more relaxed in their belly. They feel like they sink more into the chair. So these are indications of parasympathetic. So I want to capitalize that, and I want to deepen that, and I want to pave that neural pathway in their brain by bringing a lot more focus to it. And we do things like that in the first couple of sessions to create room in their container before we even start going into the trauma. But if they come in and it's a car accident, by about the third session, we might start working with it, and we're going to start at the very end. Because trauma happens really quick, and we get injured really fast, but the recovery is really slow, especially for the brain. And often, because we have memory, it seems like the trauma never ends, because the memory just keeps bringing it back. Mm. So what we're going to do is create an endpoint for the brain. So I'm going to say, when did you know it was over? It's the survival question. When did you know that any trauma was over? As they think about it, as they say, well, it was this moment or it was when I got home, it's always when they get back to a safe place, I'm going to say, what do you notice? And everything in their system is going to shift. And often what happens is they will actually physically release energy. They'll get really hot. They might start sweating. They might tremble a little. The same as an animal in the forest would after mm -hmm. he runs away from danger. It's the same mechanism. So that will happen in session. And all we're doing is bringing awareness to what's happening in people's bodies all the time. And we just are shifting awareness to where things are positive and healthy and completed and safe more than we're focusing on where things aren't. Ah, and then do, do, do you give the person tools to use at home? Because I would imagine they get intrusive thoughts about these traumas over and over again. And so how do you tell them to regulate themselves? So because self-regulation therapy is really about the root cause, which is always a dysregulated nervous system, we focus less on the symptoms. As we do this work, the thoughts, the flashbacks, the symptoms that people come in with gradually go away. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, I haven't had that nightmare or that flashback or that thought for four weeks now. So by not focusing on the symptoms, we are telling the unconscious mind that it doesn't have to keep bringing them up. So we're focusing on 
on the recovery and the healing and the forward moving process and building resilience, the symptoms start to dissipate. But the work that people do at home, in addition to nutrition and sometimes supplementation and definitely exercise, um, sleep is a huge one. If somebody's going through this kind of work focusing on their sleep, because it is the great regulator of the nervous system, is a huge piece of it. So we'll talk about their sleep ecology and their sleep routine. And then we're going to talk about their environment and how they notice when they get activated. A lot of it is people are moving through life so quickly and we have every thought, every emotion, every um, experience has a corresponding physiological response in the body. We can feel it if we're paying attention to everything that's happening. So, but we, we're kind of disconnected from that. So part of the work is going home and teaching people on a regular basis how to sense into their own body, how to reconnect to what's going on so that they can be aware when they feel activated and then they can start bringing awareness to where they feel resourced or where they feel calm. And it's teaching them how to regulate in the moment by checking in with their physical body, learning how to maybe ground through their feet or feeling their butt in the chair or finding a place that feels calm and settled in their body, bringing awareness to that on a regular basis to teach their nervous system that, oh, look, we can do this and we know how to do this. And then when we start to feel a little bit elevated, we can go right back into our body as being our own self-medication device. Fabulous. And can you talk a little bit, you've talked already a little bit about the science of why this works, but could you talk about it a little more and then also how this differs from traditional trauma treatment? Sure. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the work, if people uh, are looking for resources, anything by Peter Levine, he created a different modality called somatic experiencing. Um, Norman Doidge has written a lot about this, about the what's uh, fires in the brain, wires in the brain, and how we can either wire up for resource and health or we can wire up for feeling trauma. Um, but what we know about the nervous system and what we know about trauma, and the science has told us this, is that we hold it not in our memory, we hold it in our entire nervous system. So the key to healing it is to go through the nervous system. The talk therapy, which is the traditional approach, really is the storytelling part, which tells the same thing that's already in the brain. It lights up and fires up and rewires the pathways that are already in there for trauma. And what we're doing is redirecting new pathways away from trauma into other things so that the brain will use those more commonly. So the brain really is just creating habits to use less resources based on how we tell it to go. If we're telling stories about our trauma all the time, in therapy or out, we're telling the unconscious mind and creating an identity around the trauma. If we are wiring it in a different place, then we're firing and wiring it in a new direction that's more around health. And so the science about the neuroplasticity of the mind, how we can change the brain through the course of our life through directed attention, that's the science behind self-regulation therapy and realizing that we are animals. So let's look at the animal mind, the reptilian brain, how it's keeping us alive and go directly to the source for how we can remind ourselves that we've survived everything on a day-to-day -day basis. Right, okay. And how does this work with children? Children are great to work with because, <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't have as much history 
yeah. they don't have much as much memory bringing it back to the forefront and keeping it alive in the same way but they're also more open to suggestion so we use uh -huh. a lot of imagination in self-regulation therapy because anything that you picture your brain lights up for in the same way as if it's actually happening that's why it's really important to be careful what you witness what you watch what you the people that you spend time with because it's all impacting your brain in this feedback loop with your body and fight or flight all of the time mm -hmm. so one of the things that's great about kids is that we can go right into the imagination work with them so much easier because they're more playful they're more open to that so if we imagine you know, say if there's a, a child that's had some abuse or neglect, we can imagine not going back into the story with them, but we can bring in resources that they didn't have, like who's your favorite superhero and what would it have been like if that superhero could have come and rescued from, from that and what would they have said and what would they have done and you create this story with them and their brain's lighting up as if it's actually happening and then you help them, like how do you notice this you know what that would be like for you and they'll go right into their body really quickly whereas adults will sometimes resist the play because mm -hmm. they're stuck in reality well this is not what happened and you can't change reality none of us can change reality but the idea is I want to help you change your brain so you're not stuck in the past in an old reality that no longer serves you or then becomes your identity when you mm -hmm. have all this potential to live an entire life that's brand new on the other side so um, with kids, you can do the same work. It's more playful, it's more curious, it's more imagination-based, um, but they recover much faster. Okay. And what are some tricks that people can use, whether they've had big T trauma or not, uh, in their everyday life to be more resilient and overcome the effects of stress, which really is the cornerstone of our health? So if you've had the, the big T trauma, I say definitely go into therapy with somebody that does kind of mind-body connected work because you do need another nervous system to template off of. So if I'm in session with somebody, I've done my work. I mean, our work is never done, but I've done so much work and I've trained in this so I can be a really good anchor. I can hold the space and I have a lot of grounding that the other nervous system can template off of and that keeps the session really safe and grounded and within the right range. So if you've, if you've had significant overwhelm, I would encourage looking into work like this um, first because I don't feel like there's a replacement for it yet, but there, maybe there, there's one, one coming. But otherwise, really bring awareness to what's going on in your body because if you start bringing awareness, so one of the exercises I'll have people do is three times a day, just take a moment and like an elevator, do a scan, coming down through your body like an elevator and getting a sense of where you notice that you're holding tension or you're uncomfortable and where you notice that you feel relatively calm and relaxed and bring more attention to where you feel calm and relaxed. Pause a little bit longer because what our brain wants to do for survival is to say where, okay, something's wrong. We need to focus all of our attention here and it just fires up the alarms and then we're more activated and more activated the more we focus on where we're holding tension, that's naturally where we go. So we want to yeah. start doing the elevator scan, bringing awareness, noticing where we have activation, but really moving away from it. Where do I feel relatively better? Where do I feel relatively more calm? Or where do I feel the most connected to the chair? Even doing that three times a day will help people start to feel like they recognize being calm and healthy more often 
than they did before. So that is a really great, easy place to start. The other thing, I mean, I still recommend things like meditation, um, following a, a good nutritional program, making sure you don't have deficiencies. All of those things will really help. And then noticing that if you're activated, don't believe anything you think. Don't act on anything that you feel. And if you're activated, you can't even trust your gut instinct. Come to a place where you're non-reactive, where you can really kind of settle into your body, where you can feel calm, and then check in your thoughts and check in with your emotions and check in with your gut instinct. But if you have the awareness of when you're in fight or flight and when you're calm, start making decisions and start responding um, when you're in that calm place. So a lot of it is just practicing the pause of I'm feeling activated. I'm not, re not going to react right now. I'm going to go find a place to settle, and then I'll go from there. Okay, fabulous. I love that, really teaching people to be in tune with their bodies. I find that so many people with health problems are living from here up. What they're thinking, 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 but they're not feeling, feeling, feeling. And um, I sometimes have them close their eyes and try to dial into what they're feeling in different areas. For instance, if they're having gut problems, you know, what are you feeling there? Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. Uh, and this was true of me when I was unhealthy. I really didn't know. Um, but really getting them to tune into what, what, what shape is there, what color and what texture yeah. and then what feeling and getting in touch with those feelings I think is so important. I would love it if you could comment on the practice of how so many people are on SSRIs and SNRIs. Mm. And <laughs> how is that affecting us? Well, I mean, the research changes it. I mean, you can find whatever research you want to support whatever you believe in. It doesn't support, in a lot of cases, improvements beyond placebo, improvements beyond some supplements, improvements beyond um, lifestyle changes. And certainly, when it's compared to psychotherapy, it's compared to old school CBT, talk therapy, um, as far as its efficacy goes. What it does is, in a lot of cases, it makes it harder to create new neural pathways because there is a bit of a buffering. I can kind of feel it in a person when they come in before I even take a history. It's like, if you're not on an SSRI, I can pretty much feel like I can connect with your nervous system right away. If you're on something, I can usually feel like there's something between us. Mm. So however that is, is, shows up scientifically, what we know is, again, all of those are given because somebody's in distress and the symptoms are the problem. And with self-regulation therapy, we're looking at the root and then the symptoms go away. So it's a completely different approach. And mm -hmm. I often find it takes longer to get to where we want to get to with people that um, have started taking these medications. But almost all of the people in my practice have either reduced their dose or come off them. Most of them have been able to come off them altogether because we just grow the brain in a way where it doesn't need them. But also when you use imagination, when you use some of these techniques, you can learn how to change your state. As you change your state or as you imagine feeling like you want to feel, your brain releases all of the neurochemicals you need to support that. So there is a part of this when you go through therapy with this that we're teaching the brain how to release more of what we need to feel like how we want to feel. So instead mm -hmm. of talking about how we how we currently feel, which is not what we want. We right. create stories, we create outcomes. Like imagine what it would be like 
if you felt exactly the way that you feel like you've always been meant to. And if people can get really creative and really detailed about that, as they go into that story, as they go into the new story, their brain releases all the chemicals they need. If I check in and say, what do you notice right now? They feel exactly how they want to feel, and it took a minute. So if we spend so much time training the brain and giving it bad habits to follow, and this process is just counterintuitive because we want to tell stories, but it really does work to start helping the brain create the chemicals that we want it to create by directing it differently. I love that. I love, and I can feel it as you say it. And it sounds like you're very intuitive too in how you work with people. Mm -hmm. Is that Sometimes something I, you? Well, I wish I could turn it off. I haven't learned that part. There is, <laughs> there are therapists better than I am that can turn it off. I kind of am out there with like antennas all the time, but but really it's um, the, the attention and the attunement in session is really right brain to right brain. So it is that intuitive part of the mind. And if I'm really present and I'm really grounded and I'm focused just on that person, which is why the, it's such a sacred gift to have 50 minutes where somebody really is just present with you just as you are. And it's that freedom to be exactly as you are. And what I see is the best of people almost instantly, so I can speak that to them, and then I can check in and say, what do you notice as you hear that from me? And it builds resource and resilience in them in the moment. Mm. But I also have funny things like we don't have to tell the whole story because I've already seen your movie in my head, or I get the word that you're searching for the second you're searching for it, or there is that, it's just a connectedness. It's a, it's a connection of I'm so connected to your nervous system that I've become a part of a witness to it for 50 minutes. I love that. Um, what about some of the new technologies that are being investigated for treating trauma like MDMA for PTSD? What are your thoughts on that? I have some major concerns. <laughs> and okay. I, I have major concerns, not because the research isn't promising, and not because I don't want people to find um, relief, because they do, and there are people out there suffering. And SRT is not widely known. It's a non small nonprofit out of Western Canada, and most of the therapists are up here. They, you know, train people in in the trauma zones of Ireland and Russia, but it's it's really quite localized. And so, what people have access to is are a lot of therapies that are not working or could even make them worse. Um, so CBT and EMDR and exposure therapy, they're really popular and I recommend against all of them because I end up treating people all around the world that have been damaged by them, especially with PTSD. So when I see these other um, substances coming in to help, I'm concerned because I don't know what the long-term impact is. You know, there's been some research even for SSRIs and Prozac that's been out for 30, 40 mm -hmm. years saying, you know, it could lead to early dementia and Alzheimer's. I think anytime you play with the brain and the brain chemistry, it's so unpredictable and it's so individual and the brain is really fast to injure and super slow to heal. So any of those things could go terribly wrong. And I don't know what the long-term effects are. I know short-term mm -hmm. there's people that have had psychotic episodes. I've treated people that have had psychotic episodes and negative experiences from mm -hmm. ayahuasca and MDMA and even cannabis. So I'm really cautious about using any additional substance. Um, certainly it would all be <coughs> a medical guideline, but I'm cautious about those things because I don't know enough about them. I don't know the long-term side effects. 
and because I believe that this is another way that if more people knew about it or had access to it, maybe would, we wouldn't need some of those extremes. But I still think it's important that the research is looking at those for people that aren't responding to any of this other work because if something can help relieve somebody suffering, if it's that severe, if their life is that compromised from PTSD, say with veterans, let's look at all the options available, make them as safe as possible, make sure somebody like me is on staff or on site to help um, with the impacts after because the brain does respond to those like it's a poison so there is a trauma in the treatment so let's make sure that we're treating that at the same time. Um, I think it's an open field that's a little bit scary for me but I think there's potential I just don't think we're there yet. Okay that's good to know yeah there are a lot of technologies whenever there's a prob health problem that really isn't addressed by current technologies then you find all these different modalities coming up. And in yeah. my opinion, mental health is kind of the next frontier because we really haven't had a lot of good technologies, um, just drug therapies. And yeah. um, so I'm hopeful that we'll have some treatments uh, that will be safe and effective for people going forward. And I love what you're sharing about the self-regulation therapy. How does this differ from something like the somatic experiencing that Peter Levine developed? So SRT includes a lot of his um, science, a lot of his, um, the language is the same because we're, mm -hmm. we talk to the nervous system in a different way than we would talk to a different part of the brain. So it has a lot of similarities and it's one of many of what I think is really the best neuroscience out there for treating trauma. Um, it's got SRT has it as part of it, so they've drawn on that as one of the resources, so it's very similar. So if somebody doesn't have access to me or to SRT in their area, I will often say as a, like a second recommendation, the next one I would recommend would be somatic experiencing because there's more of those out there. I'm not sure if it's quite as comprehensive as what they've done with SRT. Um, I investigated a ton of different modalities um, mm -hmm. after my master's degree to see where I wanted to specialize. This still is to date the most comprehensive I've ever seen, but there's so much coming out right now that it's not to say that you know there isn't a better one in a year or there isn't a better one that I just don't know about. I think it's an exciting time in mental health that we have a bunch of these that are coming out with the same science saying let's treat it this way, let's rewire the brain, let's rewire the nervous system in as naturally and safe and as non-overwhelming way as possible and mm -hmm. see what the brain is capable of on its own. So I think there's a whole, a whole range that I'm not even aware of but um, this is kind of where I've found the best so far and I'm always looking for what else is going on. I'm so grateful that you came on the show today to share this with everyone because um, everybody who listens hears me talk about the ACE studies and childhood trauma and how it affects your health as an adult. And I'll say that uh, it really is the missing piece in almost everybody's healing protocol, if they're, even if they're doing functional medicine and they're treating naturally with supplements and diet and lifestyle. And this stuff will absolutely stop you from getting the healing that you're wanting, whether it's healing from autoimmune disease or losing weight or what, whatever the health problem is. So mm -hmm. I think the more that I can have guests on who talk about this issue, there's 
increased awareness and also bring valid solutions. And you never know when one solution is going to help someone. And that's always my prayer is that each episode will it help at least one person, if not more. Uh, and that's really why I do this. And anyone listening, tell them how they can get more information about you and SRT. Sure. Let me also add that I think what's missing in mental health is functional medicine. Yes. So I, I think that we all have to work together. I always think of the episodes of House where everybody came together and they brainstormed till they helped fix the person. Yeah. We need more of that in mental health because mental health is really kind of out there in the let's talk and feel and process and relive. Um, and, it, and they don't know enough about integrative medicine and integrative medicine and definitely allopathic medicine doesn't know enough mm -hmm. about kind of the neuroscience of the new modern therapy. So I think um, we're the missing piece for each other. So um, that's my hope for the future is that there's more of us working together uh, because the potential for people to heal is beyond what most people realize for their own lives. So yeah. with that... Uh, you can reach me at my website, taradawnmiller.com, T-A-R-A-D-A-W-N-Miller.com. And um, I have my little story up there in a TED Talk style talk. And um, you can access a free download of my ebook and then access me through that site. Fabulous. Thank you so much. And thank you for adding that, that mental health needs functional medicine. I, I just want to add to that for anyone listening because they may say well why is she saying that and what most people don't realize is that your hormone balance affects your mental health your mood your um, gut health is huge with that your uh, flora of bacteria that you have is important for that so all kinds there's a, a bi-directional feedback with physical mental emotional energetic psycho spiritual everything's feeding together everything is everything <laughs> Yep. Everything is everything. That about sums it up. And sure. so for maximum health, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, you really need to address the whole thing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing yourself and your expertise with us today. I very much appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you.